Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined by Will Schroeder, my partner, the founder of Startups.com. Well, we see hot startups come and go. I mean, there's some some recent examples, uh, things like WeWork, Theranos, Quibi. Um, but the reality is that throughout the year, our startups are going through these these periods of of hot and cold. How often does this happen in in your life? Which, of course, is also my life. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't think a month goes by where we don't think we've unlocked the gold and like now it's, yep. you know, we're going to be taking off and we figured it all out only yep. by the end of the same month to find out <laughs> we're right back to where we started. The holy grail, I found it. And you're like, Rutan, you that's know, just it. your dirty Didn't coffee cup. Just kidding. Like, oh, damn. And I think, <laughs> you know, we're talking the cycle of weeks and months. Uh, yeah. At a larger level, and when we're talking about these lessons, we're looking at the lessons of how startups, uh, you know, have ridden this this kind of hotness, if you will, for sometimes months, years, and and so on. And, and you mentioned, you know, folks like Quibi or, or WeWork or Theranos. I mean, they got so high on their own supply, right, <laughs> on how well things yep. were going to the extent that no one even stopped to say, Hey, like this whole thing actually isn't working, right? Like no one right. stopped to say, like this is a giant house of cards. So on one hand, you're getting massively praised for how well you've done in the game, and on the other hand, you haven't scored any points. <laughs> like yeah, the point of profit thing, yeah. and sustainability. So I think what would be interesting to talk about what are those signals, right? What are those signals that we often don't see? in our own businesses. And I'm not just saying if, you know, if you become some high flying startup, I mean like at every point in, in the growth of a startup, even if you just launched a month ago, what are those early signals that tend to blind us from what we should actually be doing? And what do we do about it? You know, I mean, you know, you know how, how do we get our arms around that? Cause I, I think that's going to be particularly important to a lot of folks. All right. So before we get into this next topic, I just want to let you know, what we talk about here is like 1% of the conversation. You know, really this conversation is going on all day long online at groups.startups.com where Ryan and I pretty much talk endlessly with founders about every one of these topics. So if by the end of this discussion, you like the topic and you want to dig into it a little bit more with Ryan and I, just head to groups.startups.com and we'll pick it up from there. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think especially in the early stages, we're we're very susceptible to this because anything going even a little bit right is something that we just want to hold on to and hug and never let go of, right? So it can be really really simple and tiny things, but you know if nothing has gone right yet or just nothing's happened yet, right? At the early stage of the startup, there's just a lot of noise. There's a lot of there's a lot of dust. We're working on a lot of little things, but there's very little external manifestation or anything where anybody can look at and go, hey, that worked. Right. We, we right. had some some little success. Um, and it's amazing how very, very little of that it actually takes to put the blinders on to the reality of um, how repeatable is that? Right. How much longer is that likely to last? Is that a blip versus a trend? Right. Can we expect this to ever happen again? Right. Do right. we know how we made it happen in the first place? It's <laughs> one of my favorites. They're like, we successed. I'm like, okay, cool. How did you do it? Not a fucking clue. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it'll but keep we expect happening it to continue. To, it will keep happening because we aren't going to get in its way, right? We have no idea how we did it. So therefore, we couldn't possibly negatively impact it. 
So we see this a lot, right? Uh, this is this is something that, that happens at, at various stages. But um, let, let's pick off a couple specific examples. Well, where where are you seeing this happening? At, let's and let's stick to the really early stages. What are some of those really early happenstances where we like to extend one little success off into the future and allow that to blind us from the reality of our situation? Yeah, look, when we're up in anything in life, we're blind, right? Like when we're most excited <laughs> yeah. about life is when we are most blinded to probably how things are actually going to turn out because these yep. things tend to be kind of momentary. These things tend to have kind of a shelf life to them. But at the time, we love to project. I mean, Ryan, how many sure. times have, you know, again, we found that that one golden nugget and just projected it out for the year and said, okay, I guess we've got to figure it out or we've got to figure yep. it out so many times. You yeah, know, won't need to touch the P&L again for 12 months. Let's just lean back and watch <laughs> it grow. This is a factor. This is done. <laughs> and here's where it gets really dangerous. When we start to get up, things are going well. Everybody's yep. pretty excited. We start to make decisions based on that trend line. We start hiring yep. people. Maybe we're raising capital. Maybe we're making other capital commitments. In we all print 5,000 t-shirts, right? Yeah. All oh, my gosh, right? Happen. <laughs> let's least huge office space, right? You know, probably yes. the, the most yep. seminal mistake of when we're yes. up, we're blind. We need lots of space. Yep. Well, maybe not anymore, but <laughs> yeah. But that, that was typically it. Now, here's the problem. It's not that we don't want to be excited. We don't want to be up. We don't want to be blind. We don't right. want to be in a position right. where we don't step back and say, mm, what if? <laughs> right. Because when things are down, we try to picture a version where they're going to go up, right? But when they're up, right. we often don't picture a version where it's going to go down and start no. to be a little bit conservative in some of our projections. And Ryan, I can think of a million instances where we've fallen into this, right? Sure. I can think of a million commitments we've made when things were up, right, that we had to then steadily unwind later. Oh, and yeah. I can think of I some can think of a couple million dollars that we've spent on on exactly these kinds of things. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I can think of a lot of instances, and we're 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 a little more mature now. I don't just mean in our age. I just mean more more of that too, but more in the sense of kind of how we look at these things. It's it's happened. We've we've almost won the lottery so many times that now yeah. when it happens, we're like, yeah, that's not exactly going to work out. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a good signal, right? But I think we're, we're, we're more cognizant of how dangerous and vulnerable we become when things are going really, really well. Yeah, you, you got to be careful there. I mean, again, when, when you're drawing lines, more than one data point is typically the, uh, the, the, the go-to method there, right? Um, right? We can't just say, you know, this happened once, so let's, let's pretend it's going to happen forever. But I want to talk for a minute about... Two things. One, one, why that happens, right? Right. Internally as the founder, there's some degree that we have to feel this way, right? We have to feel that it's at least repeatable, right? We have to feel that we've achieved this level of success. We've achieved some good thing happened. We have to believe to some degree that we can keep doing that, right? And that it will right, continue. Right. Otherwise, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> this is probably just a one-time thing. Pack it up and take it home. Everybody, yeah, clear your yeah. desks out. Uh, we're going to bail on the lease. So you do have to have you know, some level of optimism. Without optimism, um, this is a really, really hard game. On the other hand, you do have to balance that. And I think this is where the real challenge comes in. And I want your opinion on this one, Will. 
Yeah. How do we temper that, right? So particularly if, if you're a solo founder, you're only dealing with your own emotions around these things. Sure, but sure. quite frequently, Which matters. we're dealing with a team. It does. Right. It definitely matters. And that's a different situation. We can unpack that separately. But I want to talk about when there's a team. Let's say you got five to 15 people and sure. you've, you've been nose to the grindstone. You're working hard. You achieve something. You get to some level of success. And now it's incumbent on the founder to figure out how excited do we get about this? How do we use that to motivate the team? But how do we keep that from allowing us to be blinded and the team to be blinded by thinking like, this is just it. We've done it now. The, the only thing next is to figure out what I'm going to wear as I enter the gates of Shangri-La, right? So <laughs> what does that look like in reality? Look, well, I think it's a couple things. Let's be honest. When things are going well, that is currency that we didn't have five minutes ago right? That's <laughs> the currency that attracts capital, that attracts a yep. uh, team. It gets the team pumped, yep. which, you know, gets them to work harder, et cetera. So it's kind of hard to not want to double down on that currency, that optimism, right? Because True. there's so much ROI in doing that. However, the problem is when we believe it, right? When we right. say, uh, on the one hand, we, ha we have to be optimists. That's the whole name of this. On the other hand, we have to not be pessimists we just have to be conservative, right? right? We have to recognize that when things are going well, it geometrically increases our vulnerability, right? And that's, that's the core of what we're talking about is that when things are going well, all of a sudden I'm vulnerable to a lot of decisions that are based on a small amount of data in many cases that I should probably look at a little bit more closely. Take the case of WeWork, right? Which is just maybe the biggest example ever of optimism fueling optimism with no actual yeah. business model behind it, right? Right. Now, in their case, perhaps, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, perhaps the right decision was let's just fuel optimism because we actually can't fall back on a business model. Like, the, <laughs> like this is it, <laughs> right? You know, the optimism and the excitement yeah. is, the, is the business model. Is the business, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and look, uh, and maybe it'll figure itself out later. It clearly was not going to, but- um, the problem is we're, we're so vulnerable in that moment. We want those next things. We want to be able to get investors pumped about raising capital. So we raise at these yep. really high, high valuations. That feels good. Right. What we miss is, okay, but those valuations imply that we're actually going to be able to build the company that that suggests. If we don't, yeah. we're so upside down in this raise, in this valuation, we've, we basically bankrupted ourselves from future value. And that's just yeah. the beginning. All of the operational expenses that we take on, staffing is actually the biggest, right? It's a huge I mean, you know, how many times have we thought about this? Oh my God, things are going crazy. We've got to hire a ton of people. Yeah. Only to find out not too, you know, months later that our enthusiasm and the need for those people were so, <laughs> were so distant from each other. Yeah. And there's, there's no good way, you know, there's, there's no nice way to, to be able to un unravel that. Um, and this is the crazy part, Ryan. And, I, and I'm curious your thoughts. I can't think of a single instance where our enthusiasm, where we were a little bit blinded, led to a better outcome. Can you? Oh, blind enthusiasm? No. I mean, th there were definitely times where I think enthusiasm, it, it all depends on the outcome, right? So I can, like going back to, let's say the virtual acquisition. Yeah. There was a lot of enthusiasm fueling that, right? We had to believe that we could turn that around and make something far better than, than what we were acquiring at the time. 
and to really be able to breathe some life into that. And there were all sorts of, you know, some negative press around it. There were, you know, negative sentiment amongst the clients, amongst the staff who had just gotten burned by the previous management. And so there was a hell of a lot of enthusiasm there. And so that's as close as I can get to an exception that proved a rule. But even in that, we were very, very measured. Um, And we certainly were doing downside planning. But if I go back and I'm very, very honest with myself, I definitely remember making decisions that were at least equal parts emotion and logic. Um, Simply because, and for a lot of right reasons, we wanted that to succeed for, for, for the people aspect of it, right? We're looking at all of that staff, you know, 400 plus people who are going to be out of jobs overnight if we couldn't figure something out. All of those clients who relied on Zirtual for business critical processes that were just going to be high and dry without any, any recourse. And so I think that there, there was some sense that like our optimism that we could make this thing work um, was definitely the the pervasive cologne in the in the conference room at the time, um, but we did have downside planning, and we were we were being as measured as we could, um, and then we let the optimism carry us, and that turned out quite well. But that's as close as I can get to, and again, like it's not a fair not a fair comparison because we weren't blinded by it, um, right? And it was also a situation that we approached as a third party, so this wasn't something that occurred internally where we had kind of been lulled to sleep by this, excuse me, this growing success. Um, so yeah, that's as close as I can get, man. Uh, and I can give you a lot of examples to the counter <laughs> where <laughs> <our> optimism <laughs> went the other way. Yeah, that went, those are easier to pull. I got a big bag right over here, but that's the one that I can pull on the side where maybe optimism um, was a currency that we spent just the right amount of in that case. You know, by the way, I just want to mention if what we're talking about today sounds like the kind of discussion you wish you were having more often. You actually can. You know, we're online all day, every day, working through exactly these types of topics with founders just like you. So any question you would have or maybe some problem you just want to work through, we're here and we love this stuff. And we're easy to find. You know, head over to groups.startups.com and let's just start talking. Well, I mean, well, but think about the opposite. Prior to buying the company, if you looked at the previous incarnation of the company, yeah. the economics were all busted, right? At so many yep. levels. Uh, growth yep. was incredible. And to their credit, I mean, growth yes. isn't easy to achieve, so I don't want to discount yep. that. But the business model was 100% broken. The, the numbers were 100% broken. Optimism yep. and kind of being the one hot startup kind of overlooked these things. To be honest, yep. no one had ever really even checked. I mean, that was the crazy thing <laughs> about it. I don't want to dig into that t- too far, but yeah. th- this is exactly what I'm talking about. Hey, everything yeah. is going well, right? And exactly. everyone else believes it must be going well because everybody else is saying it's going well. No one stops to say, hmm, you're kind of losing 25 cents on every dollar, like by definition, like, like the, the model is so broke, <laughs> you're selling dollar bills for 75 cents, right? Like, yep. <laughs> just, just want to make that there. up. That can, you're going to grow forever, but you are going to go bankrupt, <laughs> right? There is a hard limit on that. And so, you know, what the what the problem is is someone needs to step in at those moments, and ideally, that's the the the, the founders and and maybe just you know the, the C level team to say, look, this is awesome, we love it, it's great, but how mm. much do we really know right now, right? Yeah. How much yeah. history do we have with this trajectory to to give us any sense that this is going to continue to go? And and if we blip, right? If this thing goes goes you know uh, taking off up into the right. 
and then all of a sudden blips the wrong direction, what yeah. does that mean for us? And I think that's the core of what we're talking about. When I go to Vegas, Ryan, and, and I'm at the blackjack table, which is the only thing I play, uh, and I'm up, in my mind, I'm not thinking of what happens when I lose 30 hands in a row. My wife is, right? She's <laughs> sitting there taking all my chips off the table, right? Like when I'm not looking, yeah. uh, which is why yeah. we win. Um, but I'm not thinking like that. I'm, I'm right. forever the founder. I'm thinking, well, if it's 10, it's 20. If it's 20, it's 40. And right. I bet accordingly. Because yeah. at the time, I'm winning, right? I just hit blackjack. No one after they just hit blackjack says, I'm going to lose the next 20 hands. Maybe someone does. Yeah. But generally, like, your, your enthusiasm is there. And unlike Statistics blackjack. says you will. But yeah. But yeah. The gambler yeah. Doesn't. Unlike blackjack, where you're typically the only person playing, the outcome or the cost to getting blinded by this is yeah. multiplied by all of these people around you. In the case of Zirtual, the cost to that blindness was hundreds yes. and hundreds and hundreds of jobs, right? Yes. So it's not just one of those things where we can be cavalier and we're thinking, oh, okay, well, you know, if I was off, maybe, you know, my stock is worth less. No, being off has major consequence major, toward a lot of people. Major consequences, yep. And so we don't have the luxury of only feeling good about it. We have to feel good about it. We have to pump up the troops, but then we have to go back to our office and be like, okay, now let me think about what happens if everything goes sideways, right? Yes. We have to play yeah. both roles. Yeah, and I think that's the most difficult part about this. I think that's the absolute most difficult part. And it's not even the the, the logical calculus that you go through, right? It's not the the analysis around what does the downside look like, right? It's It's getting to the mental state where you can even do that and then figuring out how you deliver that to the team without looking like a pessimist, right? Without taking the wind out of right. everybody's sails because you can absolutely kill momentum that way, right? Um, right. It can be right. really demotivating when somebody comes to you and says, look, I just built this landing page, uh, launched it, and it's performing 4X better than everything else that we've got going right now. And in my brain, I'm going, that's pretty much every landing page ever for the first week. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way it goes. You get some, you know, right, right. you're focused on it. You're paying attention to it. You're driving the absolute best traffic to it. There's things that happen, right? And then it just falls back to normal performance. But in the moment, I can't tell somebody. I can't be like, yeah, it's probably going to fall pretty well in line with the rest of what we produce because that's super demotivating, right? And on the other hand, when they come and say, and because of that, I want to triple our budget to that page. That's where that little bit of pessimism that, you know, being really careful about spending that currency around optimism, um, especially when it comes along with spending the currency of actual cash, we have to get a bit more guarded and measured. And I think this is the hard part because as a founder, we want it to work too, right? Like I want it to be the best landing page we've ever produced. I want it to drive Forex results. I want to drive more cash into that, uh, into that marketing budget. And yet history tells me, experience tells me that we have to be guarded and measured in that moment. And I also don't want to demotivate that individual. I want them to feel good about what they've achieved. Right. But I need to do it in a way that they get to see the reality of it play out before they get blind and drunk on the early results. Right. Yeah. yeah. You've got to be measured. And I think, I think part of that's really interesting because, you know, we're talking about like once hot startups like WeWork or, you know, Theranos or what have you, as if just yeah. the big companies suffer from this. I think, you know, no. what we've learned is that companies that just got founded five seconds ago suffer from this, right? <laughs> this yep. isn't a, a late stage company problem. This isn't a big, you know, well-known company problem. This yeah. is a mentality problem. 
This is a mentality problem that happens when we get super excited for good reason. It feels good when we have a win. You know, we land a big client yeah. or or like you said, you know, our landing page does well or we sell our, our, our first few products and we're thinking, yeah. okay, now we're on to something. And ideally we are, to, to be fair. I, you and I would say, yes, right. I hope that continues to be true. But what if, right? Yeah. And, and we have to look at it and say, and you said this earlier, is there something repeatable about what we just did that tells us we can keep repeating it? And I'll give you some examples. Company launches for the first time. They, they do this great consumer product. And they, they find 100 people that they, that they present it to and like 90 buy. And they're thinking, holy shit, everybody wants this thing, right? Yeah. And, and on paper, that sort of makes sense. They did some customer discovery. They did some customer validation. It proved that this is a really you know, interesting product and a lot of people wanted it. So it's good. Here's what they didn't do. And here, here's why those, those trends tend to kind of fall apart. What they didn't do is find out if total strangers want it. What they didn't do mm. is find out if they can actually find a market past the first group of people that they were going after yes. and do it in a way that's profitable, right? I mean, this happens right. all the time. It reminds me of uh, Startup Weekends. Do you remember how like the whole thing with Startup yes. Weekend is you, you launch your page, you try to drive some traffic to it, and then on Sunday when you present it, you try to tell everybody how, you know, how well the startup has done, how well you've, you've proved something. Yep. And it's like, that's awesome. That's, that's great. You know, it's fun, but you haven't proven shit. And proving shit point, means yeah. a year from now, you're still doing it. Right. Yep. And this is where we get caught up. And this is where we start to make all of those, those really challenging decisions. You know what I mean? Yeah. The other place we saw and still continue to see this, I mean, it was, it was a, a crucible of this type of activity. And we just saw one after another, after another, after another was in the rewards crowdfunding space. Right, where you would see these companies come in and um, you know, early on there was just this like there was a little bit of magic around crowdfunding where people were just intrigued by it. That went away really quickly. And then the companies that you saw drive these massive successes, and I'm let me air quote it, successes, they they drove a ton of of cash into those to make that happen, right? And their whole thesis was it won't matter. Um, if, if it's profitable at this point, it won't matter if we're, you know, profitably acquiring customers. All that matters is that we get that exposure, that we prove there's a market there, and then we'll go build our business after that. And well, how many of those did we see where, yes, they, they, they did massive numbers. They posted huge, huge 10, 15, $20 million crowdfunds, delivered their products and where the hell are they now? Right? Nowhere. They had zero cash to go on with OPEX. Um, or if they had enough or they took on follow-on investment, it turns out that that customer acquisition cost that they suffered through for their crowdfund was exactly the same customer acquisition cost they had for the rest of their business, which was very short-lived because it wasn't profitable, right? And to your point, they didn't prove anything other than, yes, people will buy this at this price, but it was a price that wasn't sustainable. They couldn't keep doing this, and they sort of knew that going into it, and they just assumed that things would get better, Right? It's that same blindness around optimism that, well, if we made this work, we'll just make it work better in the future. Right? And of course, always the hope. But man, nowhere, nowhere did I see this happen um, with the quantity and the public visibility that we saw in rewards-based crowdfunding. It was pervasive. And, and that was kind of like the, 
the biggest moment of getting so many high fives and being so blinded by everything uh, externally. And I think yep. that's a, b- a big part of what we're talking about is that 100%. for a lot of folks, uh, getting all of these external signals, like a good example is when you start hearing from investors that they want to invest, in your mind, you've arrived, right? Yep. Uh, the, the business model is validated. You know, now it's time to do big things, so to speak. Uh, in the case of like, you know, back in the day, like you were talking about, like with a Kickstarter, you had 10,000 people pledged to, to want your product. So it yep. must be good, right? The concept of it must be good. Right? Right. You know, the theory of it must be good. But we're a long way away from actually proving there's a business behind it. And yes. there's no lack of, you know, um, gravestones, tombstones around Kickstarter to prove how badly, uh, you know, we've been, you know, uh, we misrepresented ourselves, actually, you know, misrepresented yeah. to ourselves uh, in that moment of triumph, so to speak. And I think the challenge with it for all of us is to be able to say, I've got to keep pumping the enthusiasm. The enthusiasm is a currency, like we talked about at the top of the episode. But at the same time, I've got to kind of just block some of this stuff out, right? You know, we're getting great press. We're getting these great tweets that are saying, hey, this product's incredible. That's cool. I'm glad. It's better than the opposite. However, (laughs) I've got to be able to take all of that with a grain of salt and say, okay, cool. Uh, There seems to be like a positive trend. Now, what do we need to do to actually support that long term? Ergo, what are some of the new assumptions that we have to support, that we have to keep getting to, in order to make this blip an actual trend, right? For example, how much do we have to keep on spending? And and what's the the likelihood that at that spend level, we'll keep seeing the same result? Well, we don't actually know. No one does. That's sort of the point, right? You know, at some point, we've got to be able to say, here's what we know. Based on all these good things that are happening, here's what we know. This happened, this happened, this happened. However, here's all the shit that we don't know. <laughs> right. and, and that's where our focus and concern should be in that, yes, we knew we sold an enterprise customer and they referred another enterprise customer, but we don't know that that's going to keep on happening. We hope, but we can't build a forever model based on that. We know that we've had 50% month over month growth that's insane. What's the probability that that's going to keep happening? Pretty much 0%. Right? <laughs> if, we, if, we, if we project that out. Yep. And so all we're doing, you know, as, as founders, as the team, et cetera, is just saying, okay, good press, good info, all this great stuff is great. Rah, rah, yay us. But let's just put that in a bucket. Let's yep. step back. And let's take a look at what we actually know, what we can take action on. And if shit goes sideways, what we can actually fall back on. Right. You can't fall back on that bucket, right? There's no version of paying your rent, paying your staff with, with good press and, and high fives. Unfortunately, it would be great. Now, they are leverageable assets, right? And we should be thinking about that. And they can and should fit into the strategy. But again, we cannot let those be the indicators that say, now we should make some big financial decisions based on that. Now we should hire staff. Now we should increase office. Now we should, you know, dump money into a, a marketing campaign because we got that one enterprise client that one time and now we want more of those, right? Yeah, easier way towards that. But let's not assume that that's now the future and everything's going to be, you know, copacetic. Um, you've got to take all of this all of this with like as many grains of salt as you can fit in a hand all the time. Because to your point really early on, 
we get blinded by this stuff and then it, we go into tunnel vision mode um, and we talk about this a lot as founders. It's it's hard because you constantly have to switch between tunnel vision on like just getting heads down, focused, getting something accomplished, and then leaning back and being able to see the, the real picture. And I think that the noise from that type of uh, rah-rah press, um, going back to the crowdfunding example again, right, there were so many of these companies who got so excited about how well they were received as a product, as a project, that they, and they assumed that there was just this logical transition into being a business, right? And they didn't look around to see what else was going on. They didn't lean back from it. They allowed that tunnel vision to exist and they just plowed forward on exactly the same path that allowed them to be successful at the crowdfunding level. And it turned out that had nothing to do with what it was going to take to be a successful business. Right. We, we also kind of lose sense for the fact that having a good week, month, year also kind of doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. You know, yeah. my favorite is every year, and I mean every year, Ryan, we have a company that is like the, the you know, the, the new hotness of, of, of startups, right? Right now yeah. in this year, it's 2021, it's Clubhouse, right? Everyone's Great. talking about Clubhouse. There's a fairly good chance, and I'm not trying to, you know, create a tombstone for anybody, that a year from now, a month from now, no one will talk about Clubhouse. And it'll be yet another cautionary tale. I remember when Meerkat came out. For a minute, it was Clubhouse. Right. Do you remember yep. what Meerkat is? No, you don't, right? Nope. Because at that moment, we're all celebrating the wrong shit. We're celebrating funding raises, right? Celebrating a funding raise is the equivalent of celebrating the cost of a wedding, Right, not the actual intent and the outcome of the wedding. Right, nothing's yeah. happened yet. The hard part yeah. is yet to you know yet to come. But we get all juiced up about this stuff. We say, okay, wow, they raised fifty million dollars and they're hiring a ton of people and they're getting pressed everywhere. Those are all the wrong signals. Those are all right. the wrong things to be able to say this is actually what the business is. To be fair, as a founder, you got to do all that stuff. You got to get people pumped up. You got to bring in the dough. It's just not the same as saying, and I've built a real business. That's getting totally, totally blinded by your own bullshit. All right, so that was fun. But let's actually keep this conversation going. You've heard what we think about this, but you know, Ryan and I would really like to hear what you think. And we're online like all day long, pretty much talking about every startup topic you could think of, from fundraising to customer acquisition to just really how to get all of this crazy startup stuff out of your head. And there's tons of other founders just like you. They're weighing in on these topics. So you'll get a chance to just hang out and meet some really smart founders. We're also super, super easy to find. You head over to groups.startups.com and let Ryan and I hear what's on your mind. Let's get to know each other a little bit and let's just start having more of these conversations.